Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Hello. Hello, and welcome to episode number 104 of the City Brew Tours podcast, where we explore the best craft beer scenes across the United States. Happy again to be joined by my co-host for this month. Glenn, we're getting to know each other really well this month. Uh, it's been a great month, Brian. With all all these great beers from uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. No, it's it's good to be here. Uh, how was uh, how, how was your holiday weekend, Brian? Very good, very good. Weather was gorgeous here in Pittsburgh. Uh, did a couple shifts at the brewery, and those were uh, really well. Things went really well. Very busy. And then on Saturday, attended to Pittsburgh brewery event, and uh, one was Dancing Gnomes Lustre Day which Lustre is their like uh, flagship pale ale. They brew six different variants of it, I think. They brew a half Lustre, a regular Lustre, double, triple, lager Lustre, and uh, this year, West Coast Lustre. So excellent! that was great. Went there, drank a bunch of beers there, hung out with some friends, actually ran into the head brewer at my brewery, so it was nice to hang out with him and see him and his girlfriend out and about somewhere other than the brewery. And uh, then we went uh, on my way back. I stopped at my local brewery here around the corner, Grist House, and they were celebrating nine years, which is pretty crazy to say. I remember when they opened up, and uh, it was nice to go there and, and see them celebrating nine years in their brand new tap room, which they just opened a month ago, too. So, uh, really good time uh, with brewery related events, and then spent some very quality time with my family yesterday. And, oh, very uh, cool. Yeah. How about you? How was your How was your holiday weekend? It was pretty good. Over? I uh, wound up going to see uh, a friend. Some friends of mine were producing a, a children's show in the East Village uh, that I went to, which just happened to be right across the street from the uh, East Village outpost of Bronx Brewery. So, took them out to lunch afterward. Well, they paid. I shouldn't say that we took them. We, we all had lunch together. Uh, and I don't know why that 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 matters. I just I said like oh, that made it sound like I, I paid. I was being really generous. No, we we all had lunch together. Had some wonderful uh, Bronx Brewery beers, uh, and then uh, and then on on the actual day of it, I uh, I wound up going to uh, a movie in Brooklyn and uh, realized I was very near the Domino Park location of Other Half. So I went there. Had a uh, had a nice beer, uh, so uh, it's been you know rather rather quiet. Uh, from what I understand, if I'd been working the last couple of days, I think I've mentioned before that I work at the Statue of Liberty. From what I understand, uh, yeah. it was it was quite the zoo there on Sunday and Monday, because um, this really is, as we all know, it's the unofficial start to the to the summer season. Yes, yes, uh, start to the summer season, and also um, a start to a season that isn't really a season in anybody else's mind but mine. Um, because recently there was a large, um, I think there's a large Powerball or Mega Millions winner. Okay. Glenn, do you follow the, do you follow the lottery? I generally do not, uh, okay. but I'm glad I, I, I'm, I'm still enjoy hearing stories about it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there was someone that won a, uh, lottery recently and, um, thing happens when somebody wins a big jackpot everybody you know knows their name they take a picture with the check it's something that's like uh required when you win a big uh when you win a big lottery there's a stipulation that like you got to go and collect the check in person you got to take promotional photos so that they can use you to promote the lottery you know and get more people to buy lottery tickets so everybody knows who this person is they know who their name is they can get pictures of them because it's 2023 and the internet exists and every time there's a big lottery, uh, every so often this happens where people will create fake Instagram accounts and then uh, start following people randomly. Uh, okay. They'll, they'll create a fake Instagram account as this Powerball window, start following people randomly, and then message them saying like, hey, I'm giving out money. All you have to do is like and follow me, or all you have to do is reply. Yeah. And... Uh, I found one of these this past weekend. This is the other thing I spent my Memorial Day weekend doing. Trying to figure out what the scam is. Because I can't figure right. out what the scam is. I, I went over it in my head. I looked it up a little bit. And I just couldn't figure it out. So I, I while I was working on the first scam Instagram account that, that followed me, another one did it. So I just yeah. decided to ask this person, Hi, what is the scam? I don't, I don't understand this. I'm not going to tell on you. I'm not going to rat you out. Just, I'm curious. I want to know what the scam is. 
you know, because I figured it was like the uh, what they try to get the old people with a lot. Hey, this is oh, Amazon. Sure. You uh, you accidentally bought something from us. Let's send you a refund. Oops, we accidentally refunded you ten thousand dollars too much. Now you have to wire us. Brian, to be fair to the back. old people, I think we all get that old people are the only ones who actually believe it. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're yeah. absolutely praying on people. <laughs> like all the Chinese voicemails I get. I don't know if you get those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the, all, yeah, with the, like, the, and telling me about how they're they're trying to uh, to to they I need to upgrade my extended car warranty, even though I don't own a car. Yeah, that's that's very funny that they really pounding on that in New York City and in in the boroughs I well they i mean that yeah they don't they don't know where i live i could i could live in new jersey for all they know but anyway so did That's they respond point. good point no i mean they oh, did okay. they said no i'm the real i'm this real person i'm santa claus yeah i'm I'm this real person i'm really gonna give you money yeah and i just i just don't know what it is if they're gonna do that i, I wonder if it's that scheme. if they're gonna say oh i meant to send you five hundred dollars and i accidentally send you five thousand dollars you have to send me you have to wire me back forty five hundred dollars yeah and they're gonna get some poor or i'm gonna call the cops yeah yeah we're gonna take legal action against you sure because i'm mavis the lottery winner but anyways i enjoyed doing that although it didn't come to any fruition Really, really wish I would have gotten some some kind of satisfaction out of that. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, generally, you think fucking with trolls is is a good idea, but uh, it's yeah, it's it's never satisfying as you kind of would like it to be. Yeah, because they could they could, they could just tell me like I'm not like they they made a fake Instagram account. I'm sure they yeah. made it with some type of uh, IP protection, some type of. Um, not IP, whatever it's called. The, yeah, the IP. They probably protected their IP address through using like a proxy server or, you know, uh, a VPN, what have you. So I just don't know why that. Just tell me. Just tell me what you're doing. Just tell me. Damn it. I'm curious. Uh, well, maybe, it's curious. A, maybe what you should do the next time is just say, hey, I think this is really great that you're doing this. I'd like to be your assistant. Like uh, I, I have, I have lots of, I have lots of Instagram followers. How do I, how do I help you? And then maybe, you know, they still probably won't do anything, but uh, it would be fun playing with them, fucking with their head, you know, all that. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to go with that tactic next. I, I, I admire this so much. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I want to, I want to buy in. I want to be an investor. Uh, so Glenn, today yes. we are, we are closing out. The, the final episode featuring Grand Rapids with two, two more beers from our friends at Brewery Vivant. Um, Brewery Vivant. Brewery Vivant. We have their big red, red IPA as well. Yes, as that's what your can says. <laughs> rapid IPA, yes. My can says big red. We'll get into that. We will. I, I just, I just love that. Even before we brought it up, I'm seeing people uh, mentioning this in the uh, in the chat. That yes, this is yeah. Brian showed his. This one is mine, uh, and I know some of you have this one as well. Yes, we will certainly get into that. And shout out to our beer club subscribers in the chat pointing that out and uh, already bringing that up to us. Uh, yeah, so we got two hoppy beers to close off a month. We're just going to do a tasting, talk a little bit about these uh, these hop forward beers to, to close out the month and. We'll talk a little bit about what we're going to do next month, which is a very special month that we hope to come out of the gate strong with celebrating two years of this podcast existing and exploring beer scenes around the country. But first, we got to talk about tonight's beer. So, Glenn, let's open one of these up. Let's, let's start with yes. the aforementioned Big Red, because this will be... Very happy night. to get my hands around this Big Red Coke. <laughs> oh my God, mine is foaming like crazy. That was not meant to be. That was not a joke. Mine's here. Which, which was not up. a joke. What happened? It was uh, it was, it was too too excited there. It it got too excited. Started foaming up all over. It's got a really nice head there. Tip of the can came up and over. If, you, the if, you're, if, you're, if you're gonna if you're gonna have a put a big red cook in your mouth, you you, you not want to have a you know healthy head there. Cheers. Cheers. And I was excited for this beer because. A beer style that I think gets a lot of appreciation in the Pacific Northwest, especially Oregon, Washington, Northern California. But I feel like the rest of the country do not appreciate as much these 
malt forward IPAs, especially red IPAs that are incorporating some type of crystal malt, caramel malts, and allowing those caramel malts, the sugary, sweet malty flavors to really play against the bright, vibrant American hops. Good. Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, I, I mean, I've definitely over the years tasted more mild red ales, but it seems like the hoppy red ales are uh, sort of like more like a cousin of an IPA. I was there and I, I, I really enjoy it. I, we've talked before about how IPAs aren't always my my first choice, but uh, I like this one. This is actually I'm I'm, I'm trying to, to time travel in, in my brain uh, because I, I actually have had this beer once before. When it you only have, had one name. Yeah, you have. I uh, Before we get to that. First, I want to uh, I want to kind of point something out here that I think might tie into why you like a red ale more. Um, I, it's it's those crystal malts that I mentioned, and that makes uh, sense. Just to get into malty nerdiness here uh, for a little bit, most malts go through what is known as a kilning process, where they're dried out after being steeped in hot water, and then that kiln can actually add some color to the malt depending on how long they leave it in there. And um, the majority of malts that are used in the brewing industry go through a kilning process, with the exception being roasted malts. And that hmm. typically is roasted barley, roast uh, chocolate malt, black malt, um, the malts that are used predominantly in stouts, porters, barley wines, dark beers. And they're called roasted malts because they get roasted the same way that coffee does. In a drum roaster, very high temperature, very low yeah. moisture content. And uh, for the most part, it is those super, super dark malts that only get that roasting process with one big exception, crystal malts. Crystal malts actually get kilned to dry out partially and then get roasted. And that's why, like, I don't want to go as far as to say there's roasty coffee notes in here. No, I don't taste that. there's, There's a hint of, like that rose character in the malt i, I, I probably pre- presents a little bit more as uh like toasted bread almost but i don't know it's like you could tell there's that essence of a drum roaster in there and this is a small cousin of of those dark bitter black malts that lead to the dark beers that we love but just presented a different character and paired with different ingredients to bring out this different end thing that if the malt wasn't in there, Glenn, somebody like you probably wouldn't make that connection with this beer as much. I don't know. Maybe I'm just barking up the wrong tree here. I also have a little bit of a sentimental attachment because like one of the first, uh, I mean, obviously uh, when you're as old as I am, uh, they're, they're, uh, I mean, I, I, not even much, you know, they can be 10 years younger than me and have this whole situation because since we've only really had the, uh, the craft beer being a huge thing, most of us, uh, if we're, over 40 <laughs> were introduced to beers and we didn't have the whole craft beer scene to, to, to be in front of us. Uh, and, and the first beer I ever like really got attached to uh, draft wise was Killian's red. Mm. Uh, there was a place I went to, I would always get Killian's red on draft. It was my favorite beer. So because of that, even though they don't always taste exactly the same, the way that my, you know, the, 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 the memory center in my brain always brings me back to, to those good memories. There could be something to that. If I were a scientist, I would I would say I know what the word for memory center is, so I didn't say the word memory twice, but you know <laughs> I don't know if it's the hippocampus or something like that, but but you know, I don't I didn't I didn't do didn't do that diligent research I should have. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. Um Yeah, but this isn't your first experience with this particular beer either. You mentioned you have a fondness for Killians, but I think you've seen this beer before. Yeah. So in 2020, when we started the Beer Avengers podcast, uh, I was initially, we were going for our own local beers. Uh, and then we expanded just local beers everywhere. But at first we were just doing local beers. And as I was preparing to figure out what I would have and feature on the show, uh, I was uh, subscribing to another uh, mail order. Can, can, can I say what it is? Or do we have to be like Johnny Carson talking to Tom Selleck and saying Magnum PI is on another network? Uh, no, we can say it. Tavor. Yeah, it's Tavor or Tavor. I've heard very, but yeah. So I was, I was, I was loading up my cart there, trying to figure out, uh, you know, stuff I wanted, stuff I could feature on the show, and they're they're all pretty much always good beers they have on there. And when I saw this one, I'm going to confess that because there were not two names three years ago, it was no. just the Big Red Coke. 
and and I saw that, and I uh, this might be juvenile, might be childish, uh, but I saw that like, well, I know that's going to be a good beer, and I also want to get that beer so I can say the name of it on the show. I'm 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 I'll just I'll, I'm going to say it right up front. Uh, it's it's all of our inner uh, eighth graders. Uh, it was, it, I just I I love the idea of, of talking about the the big red cock and and getting as many puns about that in there um and it was also a really good beer I'm, I'm and so i'm really glad to be having it again but that was uh if anyone's looking up the uh our our full uh uh back catalog is available that's episode nine on the beer ventures podcast if oh, you want to hear my first experience with big red cock coke coke yeah so the story is that they they actually can discontinue this beer in 2020 um, right and that was the year decided- i got it yeah. They decided, yeah, shortly after Glenn bought it, they probably heard Glenn make all those puns and they were like, oh boy, we got to really, <laughs> shut this, we got to shut this down. <laughs> it's this fucking guy on a podcast is just really drilling this big red cock name. I was actually, I, honestly, Brian, I was impressed with the fact that I felt that like with, with having the spelling of this one, it's kind of ingenious because it's only dirty if you say it out loud. And it seemed to be that like this could very easily be right there on the grocery store shelf and no one would make a fuss out of it because it's spelled C-O-Q. Yeah. And there's a picture be. of a rooster right there. Yeah. So somebody in the chat is saying um, the 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 name was uh, Cockblock. Coke, yeah. Coke Block. Coke Blocked. <laughs> um, and they re-released it as just Big Red with uh, because people, people love this beer. This was a beer that they associated so much with Brewery Vivant. If you don't know, C-O-Q is the French word for chicken, I believe, more specifically rooster. Yes, which is why we were talking about cook, because like coq is the same thing. It's it's, yeah. it's a, a rooster with wine. A rooster with wine, and this is uh, a rooster with red malts and the drops. Well, and also this is specifically called a red ale and you were talking about like hop forward stuff, but I also know that a lot of their, you know, uh, if we could, uh, I'd I'd love to talk about how they, they, they evolved and have done their various other things because the, all the information I got on them when I got that beer three years ago was that they specialized in farmhouse ales. And that's why, you know, the rooster is such an important theme for, I mean, even not just on the, not just on the big red cock. Uh, it's, uh, the rooster is on, you know, it's, it's on, it's on, with the sticker they gave us has that it's rooster. Their on. It's, yeah, it's, it's their logo. The, yeah. It's the brewery Vivant logo. It's their signature beer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I imagine like you had a connection with Killian's as it being the first, one of the first craft beers you fell in love with on draft. Yeah. I imagine people associated the big red Coke with brewery of Vivant and their, experience that they had built around what they loved about brewery Vaughn had something tied into this beer and, and when it went away you could understand why people were were upset you know of course you, you, you could commend brewery Vaughn for saying hey we want to we want to mature we want to grow past this really childish name which you know it's childish but Glenn, I probably would have done the same thing and bought the There you go. All minute. right. Good. Thank you. Thank you for not shaming me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can admit that it is childish. It's silly, but we can also admit that, yeah, we're going to laugh at it. Dick jokes are funny. They Make are. Our dumb yeah. jokes. But yeah. as a big brewery, as, as, as someone that's trying to be representative of all your employees and all your shareholders' wishes and trying to be a welcoming brand, uh, everyone and, and not make silly sexual jokes. Yes. They say, hey, let's let, let do something about this. And I can understand why people are like, hey, just don't get rid of the beer entirely. So cheers, props to Brewery Vivant for, for bringing it back, appeasing the people, and uh, also giving it a rebrand while keeping homage to its roots. And, and also guess, apparently yeah. keeping some of the labels because, yeah, Glenn, Glenn got one of the... Apparently, half of the people in the chat did as well. So, yeah, that's uh, in fact, like some of the people got <laughs> specifically got two boxes like you did. And one box said one name, one one said the other. I did want to say one thing uh, when you referred to Killian's Red as a craft beer. I, I would love to say that it was. But I think even back then they were owned by Coors. Yes. At least, at least yes. American distribution was. Yeah. Fall, fall in love with a beer 
not yes. necessarily a, a craft beer. A draft. I think I said a draft beer. Actually, I did. Oh, yeah. you did. Okay. Well, then that's that's absolutely right because I think every yeah. once in a while I would I would have it in a in a that would and, well that was actually funny that you say that because that's part of how I started to be a draft beer snob in some degree because at some every once in a while I'd get Killian's in a bottle. And it just wasn't as good as it was on draft at the yeah. TB Hopkins in the Oregon District, Dayton, Ohio. Shout out to Dayton. Yes. Shout, shout out to Dan Patrick, the one known Dayton. Oh, the ESPN graduate. guy? Yeah, he went to Dayton. Yeah, he, he he used a different name when he was there. Wait, he went no, under I mean, his original name there? Dan Pugh. Dan Pugh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was a yeah. there was a classic rock station that I used to listen to. Uh it was the one I always listened to. It was called WTUE. And he was one of the morning guys and he was Dan Pugh and he did all kinds of funny voices and funny characters. And then it was funny when I, when I, when I heard that he had, he had, he was becoming a big ESPN guy, but now he's Dan Patrick because Pugh just sounds too much like, I guess, uh, when you smell something bad. Yeah. Dan Pugh or you're a church bench salesman. Yeah. All right. P-U-G-H. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Pugh. Yeah. Like, like uh, Florence Pugh. Like Florence Pugh, exactly. From uh, Midsum- Midsummer. Midsummer and uh, Little Women. And uh, I think there was a Mac- Lady Macbeth thing she was in as well. Well, she's a, she's a fantastic actress. Yeah. Uh, let's get to our second beer here. Excellent. Hops, right. hops followed by more hops. We have kind of what I what I would think would be their, their signature, what they tend to be, the signature IPA of Grand Rapids. That's good. I, I assume that why it was called Rapid IPA, but uh, you know, barring an expert, I can't tell for sure. But I guess we just have to surmise on these things on our own. All right, yeah, let's chase this. Oh, it's, oh, it's nice. Uh, is it hazy? Yeah, I guess it is. I couldn't tell. Sometimes these ones kind of start to clear up after you pour them, but uh, yeah, I still can't see. Yeah, I guess this is a hazy. <laughs> Cheers, Brian. Cheers. Hmm. Mm, that's really nice. I see. Yeah, they're not. They're not uh, on the side of the can. They're not committing to uh, to to. Well, they're they're calling this an American style IPA. Right now, Brian, someone uh, who's working in a brewery, and you're keeping track of how you label different things, all of that. I uh, I mean, I, I feel like there are two distinct American styles of IPA. So, according to the uh, B J, oh, I'm forgetting all the the all CP. the Yes, uh, according to them. What constitutes an American IPA? So American IPA is its own cat category. Um, so it's neither West Coast nor Northeast. Uh, so funny enough, according to the BJCP, West Coast IPA is not a category. And up until recently, um, the most recent guidelines they released, uh, New England IPA or Hazy IPA, as some people mm-hmm. incorrectly call it. Um, those aren't actual categories. American IPA is its own category. Um, and a classic example would be something like Bell's Two Hearted would be kind of definitive American okay. IPA, Stone IPA, um, and it, you know, moderately to aggressively hot, uh, moderate to aggressive alcohol, I think, topping out at, at about seven and a half percent, uh, pale in color, but, um, American IPA, that category can go pretty pretty strong in the SRM category, okay. I think up into the, you know, double digits in terms of All color, right. especially for, you know, you see, we have a beer like this. That's yeah. It's pretty, dark, pretty but amber. actually the more I look at it, it's not, it is not especially hazy. It is a, I feel like the, if there's no West coast IPA category in the BJCP, it feels to me that West coast is kind of the closest because closer to an American IPA than a hazy IPA. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think West Coast, yeah, is is more of a spinoff of of the um, of the typical American IPA. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, because I, I feel like that the West. I don't think we started calling them. We I think they were just called IPAs. Uh, I mean, I, I know what the BJCP did, but as far as most people, uh, I think I think they were calling them. IPAs. I don't feel like we started calling them West Coast IPAs until Hazy's became so popular. No, 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 no. Definitely before then, because Green Flash okay. released Green Flash kind of paved the way and, and named it by releasing their Green Flash West Coast IPA. And I think people just started calling them that because um, breweries like Bell's and Victory uh, and even Trogues to a lesser extent 
really became known for their IPAs. Well, uh, you know, Bells, especially Victory, especially with Hawk Devil. And um, they had, they were dry, but they still had some body to them. They didn't finish super dry, almost like phase on dry. And yeah. then these West Coast IPAs started to come along. Not so much like Russian River, but Green Flash, Stone, um, Keep the Port definitely all come to mind. And I think just because they were out on the West Coast, specifically coastal California, like literally on the coast, literally in coastal towns, they just became associated with West Coast, where okay. American IPA or, or East Coast IPA, you know, as people would have labeled 60 Minute or Victory Hop Devil, okay. was a little bit more balanced in body. So, and now, and now it's fascinating that like the two predominant ones are are West Coast and Northeast, and and all breweries everywhere are making both of them. And to arguably, the Northeast one is 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 probably there's no there there the, 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 you can get Northeast style IPA all over the country. Every brewery all over the country is making those because that's such a trend. Yeah, certainly, definitely the big trend now. As we talked last week, the, the New England IPA kind of completely upended the market now right where we had a lot of that variance but there was a lot of american ip what people will call american ipa there was english ipa out there there was there was variants like red ipa and black ipa and then there was west coast ipa now it's like everybody has hazy new england style ipa and then the exception is hey we, we brewed a red ipa hey we brewed a west coast ipa hey we brewed we brewed a northwest ipa like, I, I I guess the more I taste this one, the more and then when you mentioned the bells too hearted, uh, what I think about this one, I think actually it's an IPA that uh, I I may not like quite as much as the hazy, but I, in some ways I like better than your standard West Coast because it has that hop forward profile, but it's not as aggressive as your typical West Coast IPA. The I mean West Coast IPAs are often at least were often described as like a a punch in the face in a good way yeah yeah people would say like oh yeah oh if you tried this one it's like a punch in the face and they meant that in a positive way yeah so bitter it's gonna take the enamel off your teeth and i think yeah oh you gotta try this one yeah it had a lot to do with those finishing gravities and really being dry beers where i think american ipa east coast ipa and especially new england ipa um, have much higher finishing gravities and a lot more residual sugar and a lot more body and and yeah. that really helps support a more well-rounded beer in terms of the, the, the palatability of it yeah I, I definitely find this more palatable than your average uh hot bomb mm. and this is yeah a great example we've been talking so much about east coast and west coast ipa this is a phenomenal american ipa it really is uh, coming out of Michigan, the the no coast, the Midwest, Canada, Canada coast, lakes region. I've, I've I've heard Great Lakes region or lakes. Uh, so is uh, are you saying that Michigan? Are you do you think Michigan is 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 two separate categories? Because I, I I still having grown up in Ohio, I've always thought of like even though uh, oh the third coast, uh, Dale. There calls we go. It, uh, oh, like I guess I I felt like. You know, obviously, you get you get south of Ohio it becomes the South, but like if it, like Ohio, Indiana, uh, uh, Michigan, as well as those further west, are all sort of considered to be Midwest. But uh, but yeah, the the idea, whatever the but third coast, I think that's that's reasonable as well. Yeah. Hey, uh, Glenn, I have a surprise for you. Yes. Please uh, join us in welcoming our guest for this week. He is the founder and CEO of Brewery Vivant. He's also the founder of Broadly Brewery and Spirit and the uh, was the co-founder of another Michigan brewery uh, known as New Orleans. Uh, please welcome Jason Spalding. Hey, guys. Can you see me? We can. We can. All right. And we can hear you. So Coming in so late here. Yeah, we've uh, we we we've been having we've been co- talking about all sorts of theoretical things about things we would ask you if you were here. So so happy <laughs> you're here now, so we can uh, we can we can uh, get get those big answers we've been we've been hoping for. Well, you say lay it on me. You got some questions? I'm ready. We do. We're going to start with you, like we do with all of our guests, with our quick step questions. These are fast questions. We want fast answers, and these will help to get 
Uh, help us get to know you fast. So, what's your favorite non-brewery Vaubon beer? Oh my gosh! Well, in my fridge, I've always got some uh, Belgian beers. Lafay is always a I just have a fond uh, memory of that beer. And uh, being in Michigan, you know, I grew up in Bells, so you always find some started or something. In- Definitely. Um, favorite season in Grand Rapids? Oh, it's definitely fall. Um, fall's a great beer drinking season. I was a soccer player. It's the best season to eat food. Uh, fall's definitely hands down it. Awesome. Uh, if you had to pick one album that you had to listen to for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh my gosh. Probably OK Computer Radiohead. Oh, phenomenal answer. Um, favorite place you've ever traveled? I think I'll probably can guess the thing. Yeah, well, surprisingly, my favorite place is uh, Italy. I do love Belgium, but I love all things Italian. And, uh, and surprisingly, there's a, a growing beer culture there, too. That's true. That's, yeah, people, I, I, yeah, yeah. People are loving Italian pills over here for sure. Yeah. And then our final quick question as always. Have you ever seen Bigfoot? Oh man, never seen Bigfoot. Okay. I appreciate the honesty. I'm glad that nobody is I'm glad that nobody has just made up a fake Bigfoot Bigfoot story to tell us, which we I, don't know if they would have anyways. They could it could happen. Yeah. Um, Jason, we've really, we've really been enjoying, enjoying both of these beers. The one we started out with, uh, is the one where I, I'm not sure what to call it because we all got labels with different names. Uh, and in fact, I, I got this for the first time several years ago, uh, when it was only under one name. Uh, but of course that is the big red, uh, to use the French pronunciation, either big red or big red cook. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's, it's a really fantastic beer. Uh, curious to know what you have to tell us about this, about the history of it, how I know it's one of your flagship beers and, uh, and, and what the decision was to, to maybe rebrand it a little bit. Yeah, that was a, like a pub favorite beer. We made, we're just gonna make one batch of it. So we kind of gave it a goofy name because you don't have to think too hard when it's just going on at, at the pub. And then wouldn't you know it, it like took off and next, you know, we have it in distribution and things like that. And it's got, you know, a tongue in cheek name, which, you know, back back when we started, uh, you know, 10, 12 years ago, uh, things were a lot less sensitive. And then uh, we never it's it's a fun name, you know, and it has a meaning back to our logo. Cock being the French word for rooster. So it had a good play. And of course, uh, you know, there's lots and lots of jokes that come out of that. But um, we did during that COVID time kind of step back and wonder if maybe it was uh, time to, you know, question that name and uh so we brought it back um as a special batch and we just dropped cock off but everyone that knows that beer and loves it still calls it by its original name and i think yeah. no funds lost we don't have to risk you know potentially you know offending someone which is hard to do these days to not well, jason, offend somebody but jason the funny thing is it seems about half of us uh at least those those who are in the room and and probably half of us got it with the new name and half of us got it with the old name. Yeah, we we're right in the middle of uh, of the changeover. So okay. we ran through the last ends uh, that we had, and then we had a label with the new the new font. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's kind of funny, but it lives on. As as I mentioned earlier, not only the founder of our feature brewery tonight, Brewery of Levant, but also another brewery that we featured this month, Broadleaf. And as I mentioned, a, uh, in the 90s, you co-founded a, a fairly well-known and fairly influential Michigan brewery, New Holland. Um, so let's go all the way back to the beginning. What originally got you interested in the beer world and led you to this path of being involved in three pretty uh, pretty serious brewing endeavors? Well, New Holland was really a, you know, that was right out of college. Me and a, a good friend of mine um, just loved beer. And it was all passion. There was really not much of a beer culture in Michigan at that time. Rather than get real jobs with our majors, we decided to uh, go into brewing. And um, and it happened to work out, you know. That's uh, a good-sized brewery. And we did some amazing things back, you know, in that uh, timeline. There weren't a lot of examples. I think we had the 15th brewing license in Michigan at that time. 
You know, wow. now there's 400 plus. You know, that was 1997. Uh, that's the same year founders started as well. Uh, also, you know, fraternity brothers of ours, same college. And then, uh, you know, fast forward, you know, I was there about 10 years. I left in 2005 and uh, my wife and I started this journey for Brewery Vivant. And we wanted to do that together. And uh, of course, things take a little longer to get started. It took us about, uh, you know, 2009 to find a building, 2010 to get open. And, uh, and, you know, but that's been an amazing experience too. And her and I got to build that together. And then uh, Broadleaf was kind of a spinoff of that is we're, you know, really try to build Vivant as like a classic European style beer and then uh, kind of a brewery. And then, you know, we do some fun things off of that, but all of these hazy beers and, you know, adjunct stouts and things like that never seem to really fit that theme very well. So we spun off and made Broadleaf to kind of capture all of our experimental beers. And, you know, I'm a fan of all beer. So I love, you know, classic Belgians. I like super dry Saisons, but I, I really love hazy IPAs too. And I love learning about it and how all these uh, processes come together. And, uh, and that's really the fun part for me. So it's, it's fun to have, you know, kind of that duality where we can, uh, play around and continue to learn and, and experiment. Excellent. Uh, Jason, uh, f- going from New Holland and then going on to Brewery Vivant and Broadleaf, what do you think uh, we, what you were most influenced by as far as what you took away from that experience to to bring, I guess, both positive and negative? Like, what did you want to do with your brewery and what did you want to avoid? Well, when we when I left um, New Holland, you know, we we're kind of generalists. We we're just making all things craft beer. Yeah. But I really of focusing on a niche would be really interesting. Um, yeah. the world of beer turned a little different than I thought, but, but really, you know, almost a niche within a niche. So we were really trying to focus on these rustic farmhouse kind of undefinable beers, but, you know, agricultural influence. And uh, I just loved, uh, I love that. And I love uh, how all those beers went with food really well. And in our travels, just, you know, eating seasonally and drinking beer that goes with those foods was just kind of amazing. And that was really our focus for Vivant. So really kind of slicing it, uh, you know, a little thinner and really have putting these constraints around ourselves really let us kind of grow that creativity within that window. So that that's kind of the biggest difference. And then, uh, you know, having that experience, I guess, just knowing that we can, that we can do it. You know, when we started New Holland, we were, we knew nothing. Uh, we just had young and uh you know being an entrepreneur i think not uh you know you have to be kind of like a ready fire aim kind of a person you know uh to just kind of see an opportunity and go for it and know that you'll you'll figure it out along the way so i mean that's probably the biggest thing i took from that experience yeah so you mentioned you know leaving there in 2005 getting the idea for brewery Vivant, finding a building in 2009 and this brewery would eventually go on to become the world's first LEED certified microbrewery. Um, and that just a refresher for everybody that stands for leadership in, oh my God, I forget it. Le- leadership and excellence in energy development. I don't know, Brian, the last time this came up, I Googled it and I don't remember what, what uh, I, I, I'm I, sure I, Jason was like... knows. Let, let him tell us. Oh yeah. yeah. Leadership and environmental, uh, I mean, energy and environmental design. Leadership in energy and environmental design. So you were the brewery of on as the world's first LEED certified microbrewery. Was that included in your original plans or is that something that just evolved out of that process of starting something that you and your wife wanted to build? Yeah, that was in our business plan. Um, we really, you know, when we created brewery of Avant, we wanted it to be, you know, a heavy, sustainable focus. By going through that process, you kind of verify that you've done all the things in a proper way. And they really fit, you know, not just our the construction of our building, but really the philosophy that we wanted to run our business with. You know, everything's looking for the long term. So, you know, let's um, when we bring in new, you know, heating, cooling, let's bring in super efficient stuff, you know, that'll last for 20 years and we'll save money over that 20 years instead of doing just what's cheapest and fastest. And then everything from, you know, recycling the, 
construction waste that we had to pull out of there. So like wood went in one pile, concrete in another pile. Any furniture that could be reused went to, you know, Habitat for Humanity, things like that. So just like being smart about it. But it really fit the way that we think about business in general. So it's kind of a mashup of her uh, world coming from the sustainability uh you know, corporate side. And then, uh, me having a history with, um, you know, starting a brewing business and then her and I kind of putting those worlds together and trying to build something that, um, you know, build a business in a way that we thought could be an example to show people how you could do, uh, do the right things and be a good business. Awesome. Excellent. Uh, so, uh, Jason, we've also really been enjoying this, uh, this rapid IPA. I, I love the, you know, working the, the name of the city and of the beer. So this, this, like it's, it's a perfect Grand Rapids IPA talking about how, uh, it's, uh, just a wonderful example of your classic, uh, American IPA, uh, when everything these days are mostly West coast or hazy, just a, a, a standard IPA hop forward, but not like punch you in the face. What, what do you, what do you want to tell us about this beer? Well, that was one of the things, uh, like right before COVID hit, um, we wanted to, you know, just show that we can make just a classic drinkable everyday IPA. So that's kind of what we went for, uh, trying to, you know, create an IPA that came from Grand Rapids and outward. So kind of using some old school hops in there, uh, you know, Cascade was a, you know, classic hop back in my day. But it's really kind of fell out of favor. But you can get uh, teas a lot of nice flavors from the from that hop. And to have a you know an IPA that's not going to like you know tear your face off or you yeah. know you can just drink it occasions. And you know we really kind of made it to be like a you know thinking of a, a draft pours around the city, and that's kind of how the rapid name came into it. And uh, and it's been you know it's been great. It's it's one of the top sellers at our pub. Um, you know, Farmhand is our first beer we ever made. Uh, that still is our top seller, but uh, you know, Rapids right behind it at the pub. So I can, I can see, we can see why. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, and it's kind of, you know, uh, we didn't filter it tight, so it's clear. There's a little bit of uh, haze in there, uh, not haze, but kind of an unfiltredness um, that yeah. we wanted to kind of let the come forward in. It's haze before John Kimmick and came and came and muddled everything up. This is the classic, <laughs> classic IPA haze. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Jason, what is one thing that you, what, what is one thing other than the beer scene that you wish Grand Rapids was more well-known for? Well, our food scenes really come a long ways. So, that, I mean, that's the other uh, part I think that goes hand in hand. Um, you know, I don't want to, you know, in the Midwest, trends seem to take a little longer like you see things happen in the coast and it takes a little longer for to build the trust for people to try these types of things in the midwest uh you know we're known for like comfort foods and you know people maybe not being super adventurous so i wish people would be more trusting of coming to a uh you know a place like ours and you know trying something besides just the burger we have a burger you know it's great but, you know, we really try to do some really different things with some of our other dishes and same thing with beer. You know, you can get, you know, the Rapid IPA. It's a safe beer to get. But, man, we have uh, all sorts of, like, barrel-aged beers, uh, super dry beers, sour beers. And, you know, I just wish uh, people would uh, expand their horizons a little bit and just be open to try things. And, and it does work better in the pub when we can talk to people, give samples, things like that. And that, that's what's so great about it. But, um you know, just people trying new things. That's that's kind of what I wish uh, people would be up for. They they tend to come. A lot of people come and know what they're going to get before they get there. But if your mind's open, you know, we'd love to kind of lead you down a different path and create a new experience for people. But it takes a little trust to do that. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah. In fact, I, 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 I try to embrace that as much as I can. I, uh, I've talked a lot about it on the show about how there are certain beers that I'm predisposed to like, and I'm always looking for that. But if there's something new and something interesting, I always try to be, uh, uh, well, I think the term is uh, GGG uh, or good giving in game. Uh, every time I see something that I, uh, I like, you know, I may not, I may not have it twice if I don't like it, but I will always give it a try. And I can see that 
by Brian's expression, he knows where GGG comes from. Uh, and, and, and maybe some people who are listening know that where, where that originated as well. But it applies to all sorts of things, not just what you're thinking of, Brian. Uh. <laughs> uh, Glenn, I was very pleasantly surprised by you bringing that reference into this show. It, it, it belongs. I think it belongs in beer as well as it does with a podcast about where that term originally came from. I guess that's a good button to end it on. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you so much for supplying beers for this episode, a bunch of episodes this, this month. Um, any Anything to plug? Where should people follow Brewery Vivant and Broadleaf and, and try to keep up to date with all things that are in your purview? Yeah, so, uh, you know, Brewery Vivant, uh, you know, all the handles you'd think, uh, you know, our website, um, Instagram, Facebook, all the places easy to find. Uh, we are doing, just by the way, we're doing our Woodage Beer Fest again. We haven't done it in four years. That's going to be September 16. Oh so that'll be back. And then this year will be a little bit different because we're going to bring broadleaf stuff there too along with some of our draft cocktails and stuff so it'll be a little bit of an evolution festival uh and then you know broadleaf of course uh known for ipas and and you know really kind of make the name for ourselves in spirits too on that side uh so we'll be showing some of those off but broadleafbeer.com uh and then all the handles kind of you know around that as well yeah at this two two locations specifically i have them in front of here at Broadleaf Westside or at Broadleaf Antwood on Instagram. So go over to Instagram and and pick pick your pick the Broadleaf of your choosing, and and follow exactly. along with with what they're doing. Different different menus at both places. Different cocktail menus, different vibes at both places. So maybe go follow both of them. Who knows? Maybe I'll need to actually buy a car. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, every time I'm I, I say this every time and to say it like I'm still discovering it the first time, but every time I I co-host one of these episodes i think like i need to go visit this place i need to go find the things like uh, i mean because clearly i'm only able to get a small amount of uh of, of what brewery vivant and broadleaf has well actually none of it here in new york city uh it's only because of city brew tours and 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 other uh mail order things that i've been able to get it uh but even dragons even even uh, new holland a lot of the the we we don't get we only get a small percentage of what what's there uh, and, and I've, I've just, it's often New Holland is very high on my list of places to visit as well. Just like, I should just go, you know, take a road trip and visit everywhere. Yeah. Our West side location is right across the street from their Grand Rapids location. So be an efficient drive for you. Yeah. Maybe find a hotel that's, uh, in walking distance of both. <laughs> so I don't have to worry about pacing myself. Uh, again, thanks to Ron and Broadly for supplying beers for the Beer Club and uh, for our episodes. If you're interested in learning more about the Beer Club, head over to shop.citybrewdoors.com and explore subscription options. You not only help support this show, but you'll get great local beers shipped to you on a monthly basis from our featured city. And you'll also get perks and benefits of joining the Beer Club from the uh, nation's oldest brewery tour company, City Brew Tours. So again, head over to shop.citybrewtours.com for subscription options. Uh, shout out to our other featured breweries this month, as we mentioned, Brewery Vivant and Broadleaf Brewery and Spirits, but also shout out to Justin Dale from Brewery Nick's awesome guest we featured earlier this month brewing amazing gluten-free beers up there in Grand Rapids. Uh, Glenn, final thought, anything to plug? Uh, I mean, the usual, uh, the Beer Avengers podcast, uh, we've been going uh, for uh, going on three years. Tomorrow, we're recording episode 79, um, having some wonderful beers. I'll probably talk about this a little bit on that. You never can tell because it's uh, always a freewheeling discussion. You can find us at, at the Beer Avengers, at any of the socials, thebeervengers.com. Uh, and, uh, you know, any any place uh, where you get your podcast, you can find that, the Beer Avengers. Um, our whole back catalog available free there. So, uh, so yeah, check it out. One more plug before, uh, or, uh, before we do our, our closing here again, last week we mentioned, uh, big inspiration to the show. Alex kid, the founder of don't drink beers, is going through some difficult times was diagnosed with stage four cancer that has spread 
uh, to different parts of his body. So uh, we're going to throw the GoFundMe link in the, the, the episode description again. So if you can, if you're financially able to support any donation would, would be greatly appreciated to help out somebody that has been so influential to the overall beer scene and, and the uh, people that cover beer and write about beer in this modern weird 2023 beer world that we have. Um, Alex is very important to that. So if you can help support him and his family, it would be uh, much appreciated. Uh, next month, next week, we'll be back with a very special, 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 special month of episodes. It will be our two-year anniversary since we started this podcast, and we are going back to our roots, back to our beginnings, and featuring the first city that we ever featured on this show. We will be journeying back to Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, We'll be featuring some familiar faces from the last time that we featured uh, Cincinnati, but we're also adding some new and extremely interesting breweries to the lineup for Cincinnati, and we have all new beers, so... If you've been subscribing since the beginning, first of all, shout out. You 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 roll. Very awesome person you are. So use that in your affirmation tomorrow. But uh, also, I you am know, an awesome be, person. Yeah, I am Just an awesome person. I am an awesome person. I am an original Beer Club subscriber. Um, Good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. We'll be featuring all new beers, talking to new guests. And uh, before you, uh, before we do that next week, I'm going to give a shameless plug. Go check out my episode of Next Exit with my friend Kenny Gold uh, from Untapped. We featured uh, Cincinnati and a couple of the breweries that we're going to be talking about next month are featured on there. But we're going to go even further in depth on our four episodes featuring Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Ohio next month. Basically, Kentucky. And uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Well, that's where the Cincinnati airport is. The Cincinnati airport is in Kentucky. Cincinnati airport is in Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, it's right over the river. So, yeah. Anyways, thank you so much to everybody that joined us this month. Thank you again to our featured breweries, Brewery Next, Brewery Levant, and Broadleaf. Thanks, Jason, for joining us tonight. And uh, thank you, Glenn, for uh, co-hosting with me this month. Thank you for having me. It's been It's been a blast. Until next week, stay safe, be kind, and support your local breweries, everybody. Cheers.